Welcome back, nerds, to the news. This final regular episode for the year is going out with a bang, it would seem. We have OzFest returning in the music section. We have the Game Awards have been announced, not without some controversy. We have a new Spider-Man-related book to talk about in comic books. He-Man Revolution has an update we're going to talk about in the TV section, plus the MCU shuffle just continues in the movie section, and we have an Avengers rumor to hopefully put to bed. All of that and honestly a whole bunch more, so let's get into it. All right, nerds. Uh, yeah, we're, we got a lot to get to, but first we have housekeeping to discuss. So this week in housekeeping is the obvious. We are signing off of the regular episodes for the year after this episode. Um, we will be returning in two weeks and taking next week off from recording, I will very likely still have a couple of things that need to be posted or uh, set to go live at the very least next week. So you will not be without the new or without new content, I guess, but we will not be doing a proper news episode next week. So be aware of that. We will be returning the following week, though, with a live show uh, during this off season, just because my day job schedule is less than solid <laughs> and also uh, other plans are likely to get in the way between now and when we return, uh, which is the end of January, roughly, probably end of January, beginning of February, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, so between now and then, there we will be doing Tuesday nights for the live show, which means, again, anyone who is listening on any of the audio outlets should not uh, see a change. Actually, you'll probably see a more regularly uploaded episode uh, because it'll be much easier to edit because there's not going to be any editing, hence the off season. So, uh, yeah, we will be doing live episodes Tuesday nights unless otherwise noted. Some weeks we will probably have to skip entirely other weeks we will be moving it to wednesday night on those weeks you audio listeners will be getting the episode on thursday so just know we are changing formats for a little while while i gear up for the next season that being said uh yeah next week like i said we will be taking off from new recordings because honestly i'm going to try and read both of these guys the most recent chuck palaniac books i'm a big chuck palaniac reader and i'm behind so i wanted to catch up uh and then i think that's everything we needed to cover in housekeeping stay tuned also trying to get some interview content to kind of fill out the show a little bit better because I, there's a lot more that I want to contribute to the conversation that is this pop culture thing that we uh, all mutually enjoy. So uh, doing what I can to line those bad boys up as well. There we go. That's everything for housekeeping. So now let's get into the news, shall we? 
So let's start things off with music news. This week in music, we have Megan the Stallion and a metal song, kind of. We also have new tour dates from Pantera and a bunch of other people, as well as Ozfest making an interesting return, plus a bunch more. So let's talk about the music news. Uh, no follow-ups or corrections to speak of, so we're just going to get right into the new music slash video section, which is honestly a little bit more abbreviated than I thought it was going to be this week, but it is what it is. Uh, so we're going to start things off with a cover, which is kind of what caught my eye with this new, uh, band that's new to my ears. Lion's Share it did a cover of David Bowie's Life on Mars. It's all right. I mean, Bowie, it's you have to really have some brass cojones to cover Bowie. And so props to them for at least making the attempt. This version of this song is definitely not my favorite version of this song. Not even my second favorite, because obviously Life on Mars is best done by Bowie. And then the second, my second favorite would be the one from American Horror Story, believe it or not. But still pretty solid. Just kind of sounds like David Bowie if he sang for like a prog rock band and only without as much vocal talent. So go into it with that. There's a link to the video if you are interested still, and let's continue on. From there, we have a new one from Helmet. The name of this song is Big Shot. Uh, comes from their new record called Left, which is out now, actually just released the beginning of this week. So Helmet, you'll remember because their song Unsung gets played still on active rock and metal radio all the time because it is a classic. This is not that. <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. This is not mixed as well as that. This is not performed as well as that. This is just a subpar song from a band that was uh, something amazing back in the 90s and has kind of squandered it in recent years. So, absolutely do not recommend this new Helmet track. Big Shot, kind of steer clear, I would say. And then our only other song this week for the new music section is Megan the Stallion has put out a quote-unquote rock remix of her song Cobra, and it gets played on uh, Liquid Metal on Sirius Satellite Radio, and the reason it is a quote-unquote metal song is because it's featuring Spirit Box, who is kind of the uh, popular in the genre. They're still pretty freaking heavy, so kudos to them to, for getting such mainstream popularity as to do a collab with Megan the Stallion. Um, honestly, the only redemptive parts of this song are Spirit Box. I'm not a big Megan the Stallion fan. This song has not changed my mind by any stretch of the imagination, aside from maybe giving her a little bit more credit uh, with the, the the broadening of her musical vocabulary in that she's featuring a band that is as heavy from time to time as Spirit Box. So that's, that's cool in and of itself, just... Yeah, I just can't. I, a lot of modern rap is not for me, especially Megan the Stallion. So kind of take that with uh, take with that what it, what you will. The, the words. <laughs> let's just continue going down the road from there. Let's get into tours and festivals that have been announced since we last spoke. We do have a couple of tours. Uh, first up is another stained tour. Again, another short one. They seem to be be just doing very short treks. 
a couple of weeks at a time and then taking in a couple weeks off being as they've been in the music industry for so long kind of makes sense this one is 11 dates it's uh support from seether and saint Asonia, i think is how you say that band's name uh they're calling this one the tailgate tour so I uh, don't know what the significance there is. I was looking to see if like the the reason they called it the tailgate tours because there was going to be like tailgating festivities before each show does not appear to be the case. Apparently it's just a clever name that they wanted to name the tour. So don't get your hopes up. But uh, like I said, 11 dates starting April 22nd in Brandon, Mississippi, uh, runs through May 15th in Pelham, Alabama. Tickets are currently on sale. You got to get them from stainedofficial.com uh, is the only place I found to get tickets. So go check that out. Uh, from there, we have Tool has made another touring announcement. This one is a European tour starts in Hanover, Denmark uh, on May 25th, runs through June 22nd in Oslo, Norway. Again, Tools website is going to be the only place that you can get uh, tickets for this as far as I know. Don't know exactly how to get ticketing otherwise in European countries. So yeah, they don't have like a Ticketmaster situation, which is probably a great thing, not gonna lie. Anyway, continuing on, uh, we have Pantera has announced another North American tour. Also getting more support from Lamb of God, because why not? Like two of the biggest bands in the world ever that have a similar uh, sound, not the same, but similar. Uh, definitely the guys in Lamb of God, I remember reading an interview early on uh, with Mark, uh, guitar player for Lamb of God, Mark, Mark Morton, where he kind of implied that there was a gaping hole left in the music community when Pantera stopped making music together because this is back when Vinny and Dime were both still alive. So when when Pantera stopped making music, there was this big missing thing. And so that was kind of his approach to writing music, at least at that time, was to fill the hole that Pantera left. Not to say that they're ripping Pantera off by any means because Lamb of God is great in their own right, but it's really interesting to me that the two legs of this tour, because effectively it's the same tour, they're taking a little bit of time off from the end of the first leg and the beginning of this next leg that we're about to announce, but it's effectively the same tour because it's the same support like there's no it just yeah whatever so yeah really interesting to me really awesome because two great bands touring together is always a good thing uh so yeah support from lamb of god uh, starts february 3rd in sunrise florida runs through february 27th in quebec city quebec canada again tickets are available on pantera.com go check it out uh veil of maya is our next tour Vale Maya uh, is getting support from Angel Maker, Reflections, Alluvial, Left to Suffer, and Until I Wake. Left to Suffer and Until I Wake will not be on the same shows together. They are going to be alternating between those two bands. Um, but this is a hell of a bill, man. Vale of Maya is really, really good. I mean, say what you will about the more recent stuff, because the, the vocally it seems that when a band grows, people in the scene, especially in the more aggressive side of the scene, don't tend to have much appreciation for it, but I can dig some new Veil of Maya. I do agree, though, their older stuff is a little bit better. Uh, never heard of Angel Maker, but they're pretty big from what I've been able to gather. Uh, Alluvial, though, is a, a definitely a band to to listen to they are they're an up-and-coming band from uh georgia i believe and they are freaking cool as shit uh and then left to suffer is from 
I want to say Scotland, but I think that's wrong. Uh, but also a very, very cool up-and-coming band. So it's really awesome that these guys are all on the same bill. Uh, I'm uh, not sure about Until I Wake, but they're not on the date for my for my stop. So I, if, if I go to this one, I get to see Love to Suffer. Anyway, uh, this tour starts January 19th in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Runs through February 16th in Joliet... Illinois. Joliet? Joliet? Uh, if I'm French, I'm saying Joliet, but then we say whatever. <laughs> so uh, tickets are available. There is a pre-sale going on until Friday. You can follow the link down in the description to get to the pre-sale. Otherwise, you can find it through the band's websites. Um, and then our final piece of touring information has to do with favorite of the channel of Sulfur has announced a new tour. Once the uh, Bleeding Through tour ends and then the new year comes, because they're not going to tour over the holidays because that's just silly. Uh, but they are starting... February 7th, so they're taking the entire month of January off, it would seem. Uh, support for this tour comes from Mental Cruelty, Ghost Bath, and Extermination Dismemberment. Uh, Mental Cruelty, pretty decent. Ghost Bath is pretty good. Not the biggest fan of the opener, Extermination Dismemberment, but... Eh, it's all right. Of Sulfur definitely is going to make up for the fact that that opening band is kind of so-so. Anyway, starting once again, February 7th uh, in Mesa, Arizona, runs through March 9th in Las Vegas, Nevada. Tickets available once again if you follow the link down in the description through StubHub. Uh, that's what we got for tours and festivals. Let's talk regular ass news. Uh, we do have a couple of things here. First up is OzFest making a return. Kind of. Uh, so we have, there is a documentary called We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll, which was uh, being made during kind of the heyday of, of OzFest, even the earlier days of OzFest, because this is about 20 years in the making. Uh, it was never released for whatever reason. See Sharon Osbourne over on Wikipedia and you'll kind of get an idea of why that might have been a thing. Uh, but this is coming from the same documentarian who brought us the Decline of Western Civilization series, the three documentaries about the decline of Western civilization. The first two were about punk rock and the third one was about metal in the er, mid to late 80s and into the early 90s kind of. So this is almost like an extension of the decline of Western civilization in a certain way, which is really, really cool. Those are great documentaries and believe all three of them are available for free on YouTube right now. So if you've never seen them, by all means, go watch them because it's good quality stuff. Uh, Penelope uh, Spheris is the name of the documentarian. Uh, once again, 20 years in the making, you're gonna see some really early footage of Slipknot, of System of a Down in here. Uh, you, I believe this is one of the OzFest dates, uh, one of the OzFest uh, tours, rather, that featured Black Sabbath as the headline, not just Ozzy Solo. So that's significant in and of itself because they only did, I think they only did that twice throughout the span of OzFest's existence. I'm pretty sure only two of those years had Black Sabbath uh, doing their reunion tours. So it's it's fairly significant in many respects, not the least of which being that. Uh, I did not find a release date for it, but it will be coming out soon. If we can find a release date uh, before I publish this, then I'll put it up on the screen. Uh, otherwise, we'll probably just have to do a quick follow-up in one of the live shows between now and next year. From there, let's move over to Linkin Park is getting a little bit of controversy thrown their way. 
So the bass player who recorded the early music that led into Hybrid Theory, uh, he was on a couple of tracks on Hybrid Theory as well, but that is part of the lawsuit that we are talking about here. So uh, former bass player Kyle Christner is suing Linkin Park for royalties and unpaid dues and just kind of everything involved with, hey man, I wrote that part of your music and you haven't been paying me for 20 years, so let's uh, settle this in court, shall we? Um, it, it does stand to reason that, yeah, he did wait 20 years for this to, 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 to really kind of go through this because reasons apparently the thing that piqued his interest like you can excuse that i i would say because i was part of that band um just have no interest of too much bad blood it sounds like for him to really listen to the recordings that made it to press and then they did that uh the re-release of the hybrid the, the the anniversary edition of the hybrid theory record that featured some of the demos and some of the earlier versions of these tracks of these songs as they were evolving and he was very much a part of a lot of that early material according to him also though according to mike shinoda who was who said in an interview when the the anniversary edition was released he acknowledged at least a single track and it stands to reason, if he was on the one track, he's probably on a few more of these older recordings. So I feel like he's got a bit of a leg to stand on for this one. But uh, yeah, we will definitely see how this uh, pans out for Mr. Christner. Uh, that is what we have for regular ass news this week uh, leading into the off season. So let's get into suggestions. Uh, so suggestions this, uh, for this episode are going to be interesting because some of them are going to be suggestions that should last over the course of uh, the off season to a certain degree at least and and we'll probably talk about good stuff uh, during the live shows as well so we'll take suggestions from that too but uh, yeah whatever we're just going to continue music suggestion this week we have Slaughter to Prevail's uh, first label record Costolum uh, this is the record that they put out while they were signed to some Sumerian Records. It's the only, I believe, the only record that they have done with Sumerian. They're getting out of their contract in order to put out this next one, I believe. From the way that Ivan, or Ivan, Alex the Terrible has been talking about it, it sounds like that is the, the way they're going. But standout tracks for this one, obviously Baba Yaga, Demolisher, Bonebreaker. It's a very front-heavy record as far as the standout stuff goes, but it is a good record through and through. Go check out Slaughter to Prevail's Costolum today and just kind of digest it over the course of the next couple of weeks because it's a good one. Okay, so we are now into gaming and tech. This week in gaming and tech, we have uh, Mortal Kombat 1, two controversies to go over. One is technically a follow-up. The other is a follow-up in a different respect. We'll get to that. Uh, we also have Grand Theft Auto 6 has made an announcement, uh, and this is kind of confirmation of rumor to a certain degree, plus the game awards. Uh, the, the games nominated have all been announced, and controversy then ensued, so we're going to talk about a fair bit of that. Probably not all of it, but most of it, and then a little bit more, so let's go. Uh, starting things off with follow-ups and corrections. Once again, two follow-ups for Mortal Kombat 1. First and foremost, we have 
potentially, and this actually, until this morning, I thought was kind of in the bag, but might not be exactly what uh, the report is. So, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anthony Starr, the man who plays uh, Homelander on The Boys on Amazon, is who they're modeling their version of Homelander after. Not the Homelander from the comics, but Anthony Starr's Homelander, is who is getting modeled into Mortal Kombat 1. But, uh, Anthony Starr himself has shed a little bit of doubt on that uh, recently on Instagram, he responded to a question, seemingly responded to a question about Homelander and about his uh, role being played in the Mortal Kombat 1 version of Homelander. And he said, or he seemed to imply, again, it's a little sticky because there's so many questions were being thrown at him. He could have been potentially responding to somebody else but the implication seems to be that Anthony Starr is not going to be voicing Homelander for the game. Not exactly the end of the world, though you wouldn't know it by uh, listening to about 90% of the Mortal Kombat community, as was pointed out by uh, MK Colum. Uh, it, it, the, one of the, the guys, the, the art guys in the community, I can't think of his name. He's really big. He's doing the 3D adaptation of the earlier games. That guy, uh, he, he pointed out on X that if you remember back to Mortal Kombat 11, Schwarzenegger didn't do the, the voice for the T-100 or the T-800. That was done by a voice actor. It was voiced to sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it was not, in fact, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So this is not the first time this has happened. So, again, not exactly the end of the world. Though, again, this morning, as I was refreshing myself on the research for today's episode and kind of finishing up the research for today's episode, it was, uh, again, some questions were being thrown at Anthony Starr on Instagram, and he then seemed to imply that he was joking or perhaps was responding to a different question when he said nope, because his only response to the question, are you going to be voicing Homelander for Mortal Kombat 1, all he said was nope. So it really could have been him saying no to almost anything that was being asked of him. So it, it, time remains to tell, or time will tell once we get there. Uh, it's not that far out as I believe Homelander is the next character we're getting uh, come December. So we will find out soon enough. That is what we've got on that piece though. So staying with the Mortal Kombat 1 camp, we have almost a resolution, almost, to the controversy around the uh, the holiday fatality situation. So just as a TLDR, uh, Mortal Kombat, the, the Netherrealm Studios folks released uh, just before Halloween, released a special Halloween themed fatality that was for everyone, every character in the game. You had to pay, I believe it was 1,200 dragon coins uh, in order to get this. Now, dragon coins are a form of currency in the game of Mortal Kombat that you have to purchase with real-world money. So, you can purchase approximately 1,250 dragon coins for $10 US. So, it was just shy of $10 if you went that route. Or if you wanted to, if you were buying your dragon coins in smaller doses, then it is 500 dragon coins for $5 US. So theoretically, it's also kind of $12 because dragon coins are silly. <laughs> but so that caused a bit of a commotion because 
a fatality that is theoretically only going to stick around for a limited amount of time was made available for more money than a skin because there are premium skins in the shop as well and those are only approximately 800 dragon i think there's like between five and eight hundred dragon coins i can't remember exactly i've only purchased the 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 scorpion skin so i don't i can't remember but somewhere in that neighborhood between five and eight hundred dragon coins so that definitely did not sit well with the community and they were not silent about it, which by all means they should not have been. I definitely had extra dragon coins from getting a collector's edition, so it wasn't a huge deal to me. But the resolution that has been proposed from Netherrealm seems to be going over slightly better than the original issue. And the solution is that they're going to be giving anyone who purchased the Halloween fatality, we're going to be getting two more or two more seasonal themed fatalities because there, one is a holiday theme, it's a Thanksgiving theme, and then we're getting a winter themed fatality as well. If you downloaded the uh, Mortal Kombat, so if you downloaded Mortal Kombat 1, uh, seasonal fatality, you're getting the free pack. Uh, you're getting the other two for free, or you can buy the pack as a triplet, presumably for approximately the same 1200 dragon coins or crystals. Maybe I think, I think I've, I've been saying that incorrectly this whole time. This is a little bit closer to what we were asking for, because that theoretically makes each of these, uh, each of these fatalities roughly $3.33 or so if you again if you're buying the larger pack of dragon crystals i just i don't see this smoothing it out entirely maybe a little bit more maybe enough to, to a level that warner brothers is comfortable with it i just don't think nether realm is comfortable with it i'm pretty sure they're probably pretty upset with warner brothers behind the scenes because this screams of wb's uh hand involvement in all of this so if there is more to come from here, we will definitely be talking about it. But that is what we got for follow-ups and corrections. Let's get into game trailers. Just this morning, we got the 20-minute uh, trailer-ish of the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. If you remember, the game was pushed back exceptionally long. The new release date, I don't believe I wrote it down because I take amazing notes. So my apologies, but it is coming soon. I believe it's January or February. Uh, and, and it looks, honestly, it looks better. I, I, I feel like it looks like the gameplay is going to be much more smooth. Uh, I could just be taken in by the shiny polish that they put on this 20 minute deal, but <clears throat> it just looks like it's going to be functioning better than what we got that really brief bit of gameplay from uh, previously before they, they, post, they, they pushed it back sometime. So a uh, little bit of little bit of hopium here it looks like it's going to be better than gotham knights so i i think that's kind of the bar that they've set for themselves the gotham knights was not a rocksteady game i understand but rocksteady definitely has set the bar pretty high with the arkham series so it looks like it's going to be close to that bar i don't think it's going to be quite that good but that we are in the modern age of gaming, so we'll get that good probably six months after it's been released. Uh, that's what we got for trailers. Let's get into some regular ass news. Uh, we have Grand Theft Auto 6. The announcement has been made. Yes, Grand Theft Auto 6 is coming. Uh, and that's kind of all we got, except for a release date for the trailer the the launch trailer or the 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 first trailer i guess not launch trailer the first trailer is going to be coming out in december 
sometime. Uh, very probably before the holiday. Hopefully we'll be coming with a reservation SKU so they can capitalize on some of the uh, the Christmas uh, purchasing and all that jazz, uh, Black Friday and whatnot. Uh, they're going to be missing Black Friday though. Now, I don't, now that I mentioned that, I wasn't thinking about that. They're definitely going to be missing Black Friday if it's coming out in December. So I don't know. feels like they might be dropping the ball a little bit. Anyway, that's what we got for uh, Grand Theft Auto. Let's move into the bigger controversy this week is the Game Awards. Set to air December 8th. Game Awards, uh, the, all the nominees have been made public. You can go to GameAwards.com and vote for the, the Game Awards. Yeah, right? TheGameAwards.com. It does have the the at the beginning. TheGameAwards.com. You can vote for all of the categories. Um, the big... The big issue this year, uh, controversy-wise, well, I guess it's every year. Game of the year uh, is is not without its controversy. So we'll go over those real quick. We're not going to go through each of the individual uh, categories because then we'd be here all night. But we do have Game of the Year. Uh, the nominees are Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel's Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. So if you'll notice, a number of games were left off there. Final Fantasy, uh, Starfield. Uh, there's a couple other bigger ones that, but those are the two main ones. Those are the two ones that everyone has is saying one or the other of those is the big snub. I'm, I don't have a PlayStation. I'm not a PlayStation guy, so I have no say on the Final Fantasy stuff. But Starfield, while I do love me some Bethesda and definitely love me some uh, Fallout 3 and 4 and to a certain degree 76 even, I don't know that Starfield is game of the year material. Largely because of all of the issues they had at launch and also because this is basically Fallout 4 in space. Like, as, as little of a leap forward as Fallout 4 was over Fallout 3, this is even less of a leap forward as far as gameplay mechanics, as far as the look and feel of everything involved with this game. And if you've watched any of the... Like, specifically, I'm going to point out the spiffing Brit... Uh, he did a, a video about Starfield sh a little while ago about certain exploits that you can get into uh, on this PC version specifically, though I think they also apply to the Xbox version. But just all of the under, all of the 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 inner workings of this game are basically copy and pasted from Fallout 4. So is that really game of the year quality? Like, I understand there are definitely some hardcore Bethesda uh, heads out there that love that company a lot more than I do, but I just, I, if you're being honest with yourself, is does it really contend with the very least Legend of Zelda Breath of the uh, Tears of the Kingdom? I don't think so. I really, really don't. Uh, the only argument I can see that actually kind of holds water is Resident Evil 4 being a remake uh, up for Game of the Year over Starfield or Final Fantasy. Uh, I don't know, man. Like play Resident Evil 4, the OG release. If you play that and then play the re-release, tell me that those are the same game. Like, yes, they're telling the same story, but 
I really don't think they're the same game. So I can understand why they went with RE4 over Starfield for sure. Again, can't speak for uh, Final Fantasy because I'm not a PlayStation guy. So very interesting there. But there is one other controversy that we're uh, going to talk about here ever so briefly. And it has to do with the uh, indie, one of the indie categories. Um, so Dave the Diver is uh, up for best indie game, not best new indie game. I don't know what the distinction is there because like it came out this year, right? So aren't they all new? Whatever. Uh, and, and I could be like misremembering the, the categories wrong slightly, but that's kind of the gist of the two different indie categories, right? You have new, well, it's new indie developer versus new indie game, I guess. But Dave the Diver is being nominated for best indie game. And there is a lot of controversy there because while the studio is in a way independent, they're small is probably the more appropriate way of looking at it. It is a small studio. So by most definitions, that is kind of what an independent studio is. It's very small, very little staff, not a whole lot going on there because they don't have the budget for anything bigger. But uh, I didn't write down because again, take amazing notes, but the, the, uh, the, the, parent company for the developer that gave us Dave the Diver is a very, very large conglomerate in uh, South Korea. So yeah, not exactly an independent developer. Um, I don't know how they've justified nominating Dave the Diver for this category, considering that though perhaps it is just because of the size of the, the developer. I'm sure it will get addressed, addressed by Jeff Keighley sometime in the not too distant future. I would hope. Uh, but yeah, that's, those are the two big ones. I'm going to, I'm going to pass the Dave the Diver one off to you is why I, I'm not even going to question whether or not it's an independent, uh, development because size of studio doesn't necessarily indicate the size of the potential budget because again, the parent company, but why do you think that they justify nominating this game for an independent award and not some other award that wouldn't be as controversial? Why do you think that? So let's talk about that in the comment section. Uh, yeah, that's what we got for regular ass news in gaming and tech. Uh, honestly, I feel like I could have done better with that. So I, I let you down and I apologize, but because there's been some tech stuff too. And then I'm, I just didn't have the time for, I think. Anyway, Let's get into suggestions this week for gaming and tech. It is a gaming suggestion. It is Halo Infinite. Season 5 has come to an end. Yes, they are changing the way they're doing seasons for Halo 5. This is kind of a news piece as well, but whatever. It's the suggestion as well because it's Halo is back and is better than, honestly, better than ever. Especially with this new playlist they've got, the Halo 3 Revisited playlist. Oh my god, it's so awesome. Anyway, <laughs> we have, they've changed uh, the mid-season stuff. Instead of continuing the season throughout uh, the, the three months or whatever, they, they run the season shorter and then they have what are called operations instead of these special events they're now operations is what they're calling them so they're kind of like mini seasons in between the actual seasons so if you paid for the season you can still do all of the stuff and get all of the things that are earnable inside the season but now you have these smaller operations which are only 20 items long that is free for everyone as long as the operation is available whereas the season not everything inside the season is available for free you have to pay for the season 
The difference here is once the operation is done, it will not come back unless you've paid for it. And an operation is half the price of a season. So really what they've done is they've made seasons approximately twice as expensive <laughs> because the season is 50 tiers high. The operations are 20 tiers high. So you've got a season at 50, uh, operation at rather two to three operations between seasons at five so you've got ten dollars for the season five dollars for each operation really you're paying fifteen dollars if you want everything fifteen dollars between seasons so that is more than twice as expensive if you count those as the proper season length because that's what they're filling in as the rest of the season length but I mean, it's 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 really cool because, you know, you could theoretically get everything inside of each operation for free. So, yeah, they're, they're, I, I feel like they've found the secret to uh, the ongoing Halo game. And that is exactly what that is. And it's and it's it's keeping the community happy. So more power to them. Either way. Season five has ended. We are now into operations between five and six. And it's absolutely worth your time to play because it's just so well-rounded these days go play halo infinite specifically play the halo 3 revisited playlist because it's a boatload of fun and that is your suggestion aside from mortal kombat until we return <laughs> comic books and books uh is gonna be short for our final episode of the regular season it's just the way it played out. I don't know what to tell you. We got Carnage to talk about. So like, let's do that, I guess. Uh, yeah, we have one new piece uh, of news and it's Carnage. Carnage is getting his, uh, he's get coming back to a new book. Uh, the new book is written by Torin Grombeck. I think I'm saying that correctly. Uh, and then art by uh, per Perry Perez. Again, I think I'm saying that correctly and I apologize if I'm not. Uh, the brief tease for it is as follows. Quote, Every symbiote needs a host, and for Carnage, there has only ever been one host who has made it feel whole, and it's time for a reunion. So Cletus Cassidy is reuniting with the Carnage symbiote, and it is going to get its own book, and it's going to be glorious, because that's really about as much Spider-Man as I ever generally read. But that's kind of all we got for news this week, again, because we don't really dive into the specifics of individual story arcs, just because that would be just so much more more work than I can do as a one-man show. So if you think that I'm missing something and by all means you want to contribute, this is going to be the easiest way to do that is if you are uh, a little bit more into writing something up that we can do to talk about uh, for comic books, then by all means, I would I would welcome you with open arms. But I got no money to pay anybody, so that's not going to happen for a while. Uh, that is what we got for regular ass news. Let's talk about suggestions for comic books and books this week. It is a book suggestion going into the off season and that is the original dune from 1965 frank herbert's masterpiece that then spawned six other books and then another uh prequel series as written by his son uh i can't remember herbert's uh, son brian brian herbert is the son <laughs> brian herbert and kevin j anderson write the prequel series this is the book though that started it all uh as being as we were supposed to get the second half of the denise of 
epic <laughs> and it's not happening this month just read the book so you know what to expect and then see how Denis uh, varies from it when we do get that movie in April but the book stands unto itself it is a fantastic work of art go read Dune from 1965 by Frank Herbert because everyone should read that book many multiples of times Okay, so TV news. We have uh, some updates on some shows we've been keeping tabs on, one of which we haven't heard from for some time. Uh, we have a trailer for both the new What If season as well as He-Man Masters of the Universe Revolution. So yeah, we've got that in a bit more, so let's talk about it. First up, follow-ups and corrections following up on shows we keep tabs on. Uh, Young Sheldon is the first one that is getting uh, canceled after season seven. will be coming to an end, I guess is probably more appropriate. I don't know necessarily, just not a renewal of season. Probably has been dipping in uh, uh, ratings for some time like most terrestrial TV, so makes sense. Uh, the next one is one we haven't heard from for some time, so I'm pretty stoked to be hearing uh, about it. We have King of the Hill. Producer Greg Daniels has made it known that we will not be seeing King of the Hill, the, the reboot series, uh, anytime soon. It will be uh, 2025 before we uh, get uh, to see that on Hulu. No specific date just yet, obviously, but they are still working on it. Obviously, they've got a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that they need to get taken care of uh, before they can continue going forward with voice acting and such. So that's at least a little bit of something to go on. Uh, and then our other update this week is Arcane. Season two is coming. We have a released window, at least a release month, November of 2024. So it's approximately a year away before we see Arcane season two, which is the League of Legends show, if I remember correctly. Uh, I don't think I watched season one. It wasn't on my radar. But uh, yeah, that's what we got for follow-ups and corrections. Let's talk about trailers this week shall we uh terminator the anime got a new trailer over on netflix uh yeah pretty freaking cool i didn't even well no i do believe we did talk about this one as originally announced but i forgot that this was happening so the fact that uh youtube was like hey by the way here's a trailer for you kind of made me excited not gonna lie it's pretty cool it's very brief but still pretty cool uh, then the He-Man Masters of the Universe Revolution trailer is uh, has dropped and it gives one just a little bit of hope that maybe this is going to be a little bit more of a He-Man show than the last one. Technically, the last one didn't have He-Man in the title, so they just only implied it was a He-Man show and then they kind of bait and switched us just a bit. Uh, so it seems that this one's going to be more honest. We'll cross our fingers and not hold our breath, shall we? Uh, then we got uh, finally got a trailer for Avatar The Last Airbender, plus the release date, February 22nd of 2024. So yes, that's happening. That's pretty freaking awesome. The trailer just looks super epic and definitely looks like we're making up for lost time with some of the live action fumbles that Netflix has done recently. Uh, next one is almost live action, Pokemon Concierge is a new series uh, also coming to Netflix. It is going to be a stop motion series. Was not expecting this one. Uh, it's, it's about an island where Pokemon go to relax. 
just a weird concept in and of itself. Uh, I am just a little bit older than most for the Pokemon stuff, so kind of uh, not super duper on my radar, but I do know quite a few people who are going to love this. So the trailer looks pretty funny. Uh, looks like it would go hand in hand with what I know of Pokemon, but again, kind of a little bit uh, young for me. Yes, I know I'm old. I apologize, but there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, and then our final trailer this week and release date is the uh, season two of What If over for the Marvel What If uh, over on Disney+. Plus. It's going to be December 22nd. A very interesting situation with the release of the new What If season because it's going to be nine episodes and all nine episodes are going to be are going to come in rapid succession. It's going to be nine days. Every day for nine days straight will be a new episode over on Disney Plus. So interesting way to deal with binge watchers, but also like try and do a little bit to keep everybody happy. Because if you just wait a few days, you can watch the entire series. Or if you really want to see them as they're coming out, then you don't have to wait super long, but you still can't binge the entire series when the first episode, just really kind of a cool, I'm very intrigued to see how this one plays out for them. Uh, but yeah, tra links to all the trailers are down in the description. So go check it out. We do have one piece of of regular news and it's a sucky one uh, but uh, it does need to be made known because both of the shows that this guy was part of uh, are st still very relevant in the pop culture conversation so Kevin Turin who is producer for uh, Max he produced Euphoria and The Idol has passed away at the age of 44. Uh, confirmed by his father this past Sunday is when he passed and actually, no, I believe he passed Saturday and then they confirmed it on Sunday. No cause of death has been made public just yet uh, as of recording this video. So if it's something significant and not just a fluke accident, then uh, we will be probably doing a little bit of an update. But I honestly haven't watched either of his shows. I do know they're super popular. Just I had no desire to see the subject matter that was covered by them. So uh, it, this will be a big one for the community. Uh, more of the, ter the, 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 the the outskirts of the community because this is not overly nerdy content, but still related. So sucky day for the community. And we just got to keep rolling from here. And do what I can to bring it back up because now we got suggestions <laughs> to talk about. TV suggestion this week. And going forward, you have a bit of time to make up for this one. Invincible season two is currently underway. Uh, the only as of recording this, actually, I think episode three might have dropped already and I'm just uh, behind an episode. But uh, episodes one and two for season two have dropped and it's epic uh and uh, i just the rest of this season only stands to get better season one was pretty amazing probably the best animated show on uh any sort of broadcast or or episodic just content in general i can't i cannot recommend invincible enough it is not your typical superhero thing so if you're turned off by the superhero stuff this is a little bit more introspective and definitely a lot more philosophical so uh worth your time even if for that reason go check out invincible seasons one and two as season two is currently underway 
Okay, so next up is movies. Uh, this week in movies, we got an update for Mortal Kombat 2, finally. We also have Rebel, Rebel Moon trailer just dropped and it's pretty freaking epic. Plus the MCU shuffle continues. We're gonna talk about that and a bit more. Let's do that. Uh, starting with follow-ups and corrections, we finally have gotten word officially for Mortal Kombat 2. They have returned to principal photography. I saw speculation before this week saying, that they probably weren't going to return to principal, principal photography until after the new year. We actually reported as such a few weeks ago, but that has been put to bed by thankfully Carl Urban, who is strangely starting to grow on me for Johnny Cage, uh, but that he has put up some pictures on his Instagram of them being on set. So it is confirmation. They are currently filming Mortal Kombat 2, so it won't be a... Uh, super long time before we get it. It's still a little while, but yeah, they're, they're, they're picking up where they left off. Thank the gods. Uh, from there, we have some trailers to talk about. That's where we're going next. First up, coming out the gate with the big guns, Rebel Moon. New trailer for Rebel Moon. Uh, this this kind of gives us a little bit more of an idea of the story, not just the scale of the movie. And it seems to be because it's Star Wars analogous, right? So it's it's what Snyder was going to do for his Star Wars movie, effectively. And this is uh, effectively, what if Princess Leia was the last hope? What if she wasn't reliant on Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker? What if she was the one who was saving the, the Empire? That's pretty awesome, honestly. Uh, I can, I totally dig this. Uh, th like, the more we get from this, the more I'm very much intrigued by it. This is... <laughs> Snyder is the guy to do fantasy, I think. I think he is a, a prime choice to do something like this. Uh, do something that is a little bit more weighty and has a lot of history with uh, pre-established mythology. I think he kind of drops the ball a little bit. Not as much with the, the Watchmen movie. I really liked his take on the Watchmen. Definitely some issues there, but it's I like I it's a good conversation to have his ending versus the comic book ending. That's that's a good thing, but that's a limited amount of backstory that he had to play with, right? He only had that book really to work with, and so very restricted where he could go with it. Same thing with the three hundred situation. Same thing with uh, his uh, Dawn of the Dead movie. When he gets into established comic book characters who have roughly 80 years behind them, that's where he starts to really slip with the mythology because he likes to take a little bit too many uh, liberties with the characters that the fans don't like. And so that's, I think, where he made his big mistake. So having this be an original, all original IP definitely is in his favor. Uh, as evidenced by the Army of the Dead movie, did, like he did his own take on zombies. It's a whole different kind of backstory with the zombie situation. And now we have a science fantasy uh, movie coming from him that is potentially going to be just as epic as Star Wars. Like, I, that might be a little blasphemous to say, but if you watch this trailer, you'll understand what I mean. This could definitely set up a, a universe that's going to make Star Wars fans forget Star Wars. Again, very tall order, so not gonna hold my breath for that, but I do see the possibility there. So, go check out this trailer. 
From there, speaking of original IPs in comic book territory, Code 8 Part 2 got a trailer this week. This is the Amell Brothers uh, sequel to the crowdfunded, if I remember correctly, crowdfunded first movie. This time it's getting picked up by Netflix, so they're the ones that are footing the bill. And Robbie and Steve, uh, St Stephen, Stephen, Stephen Amell, uh, just color me interested for this one. Just, I, I, I need to go watch the first one. I haven't watched Code 8, the original. So yeah, going to be doing that over the off season for sure. Uh, no release date that I saw, but I definitely could have just forgotten to write it down. Uh, our next trailer is more of a teaser, not so much trailer, but it is Terrifier 3. It's going to be a Christmas movie this year. And I didn't realize this property could get darker, but if you watch this trailer, it's very brief. So it's a real quick watch, especially if you're into the horror stuff. The implication with this trailer is rather dark and we're just going to leave it there. And I just, I didn't think they were going to go any darker than they were before. More gory, sure. Darker content. Oh, that, that's interesting. That's yeah. Moving from there, we have uh, one that I didn't anticipate at all is a Batman ho ho uh, holiday movie. Woo! Animated Batman Christmas movie. Merry Little Batman is the name of the movie. Trailer. This is the, the art style is very reminiscent of the cartoon cartoons on uh, Cartoon Network a few years back. This is not going to max. This is going to be one of the properties that's going to Amazon Prime. If you remember, Prime picked up uh, a few of those properties. They picked up the, the uh, what is the, the the Batman, the Paul Dini, the new Paul Dini animated series. I can't remember. Uh, Crusader, I believe, Batman, the Dark Crusader or something like that. Uh, this is going to be part of that package, apparently. So this is not going to max. This is not going to be broadcast. Technically still owned by Warner Brothers, but they're licensing it out to Amazon. And that's where you're going to be able to watch it. Uh, I did not get the release date for that one either. But again, it's a Christmas movie. So it's going to be out sometime between now and the second week of December, presumably. Uh, no, actually, I think this one was December 8th to be very specific. I'm pretty sure I saw that and I just didn't write it down because amazing notes. Remember, amazing, amazing notes. Uh, from there, we got another Netflix trailer. This one is a new Millie Bobby Brown movie called Damsel, a very unique take on a quasi-classic structure for a, uh, a fairy tale. Very interesting here. Uh, just kind of the TLDR real quick. It seems that at least what they set up in this trailer is instead of, you know, uh, uh, Wicked Witch or some sort of other antagonist setting up the, the damsel, setting up the, the princess, if you will, to be saved by the prince, it seems to be a little bit of the opposite. The princess is going to save herself because she gets set up by the prince, well, by the royal family, not necessarily the prince specifically, but by his family to be dragon food. So Millie Bobby Brown fighting dragons. That's kind of an awesome equation, I feel like, because say what you will about her personal life, like she's a pretty good little actress and like, I'm intrigued for sure. Uh, then we've got Mr. Monk's Last Case. We talked about this uh, when it was originally announced. Now we finally got a trailer for it and it looks like Tony Shalhoub honestly didn't miss a beat as this character. Like there, I, I really would be interested to pick his brain about how much of the character he identifies with. And I'm sure he's answered that question in, in an interview I just haven't seen, but it's so interesting that he is so good at being Mr. Monk and like, like it could have been, the show could have just kept going and he would be where he is uh, just really, really cool. Go check out the trailer. That one's coming to Peacock also on December 8th. Uh, and then we got the trailer for Madam Web. 
Oh man, I didn't write the, the date for that one down. I'm pretty sure it was December 22nd and I just forgot to write it down. I, again, amazing notes. How many times can I tell you guys? Amazing notes. But Madam Webb honestly just dropped this afternoon as I'm filming this. Still trying to parse it out a little bit. There's a lot better breakdowns, I'm sure, on the YouTubes. It is a thing that has happened. We can see now where they're going with this story. And I'm, there's just so many questions I've got. We got to talk about that in the comment section for sure. So let's do that. That's what we got for trailers, though. Let's talk about some regular ass news this week for movies. And the biggest piece, and honestly the only real piece, is the release date shuffle that we've been kind of getting because of all the strikes, and now we can kind of start to set things back up as far as where they're going to get released. And a lot of the big ones, or all of the big ones I should say, have moved as far as the MCU is concerned. So let's just cover this real quick. Uh, Deadpool 3 is going from May the 3rd to September 27th. I'm sorry. Deadpool 3 is moving from May 3rd to uh, July 26th of 2024 so it is still 2024 just got pushed back a couple months uh from their thunderbolts uh is going from december 20th of 24 to july 25th of 25 so that got pushed back significantly captain america brave new world did not switch places with deadpool like we are hearing was possible probably because they now have a little bit more time to work on it because of the strikes. Uh, it's going from uh, July 26th of 24 to February 14th, so Valentine's Day, of 2025. So that's an interesting move there. Then we got the Blade movie is moving from February 14th of 2025 to November 7th of 2025. So that is also a rather significant move back. And then... We got a slightly less significant move in Venom 3. Goes from July 14th of 24 to November 8th of 24. So, yeah, just shuffling them around, just kind of where these... Those are the only ones that we were really set in stone, and now they're set in stone once again. So hopefully they stay that way, and we get some pretty good stuff going forward. Uh, that's all we got for regular S news. Like I said, we now have suggestions this week. Uh, honestly, movie suggestions, it's... Technically, it's three different ones, but if you watch them together, it kind of feels like one because they're all so short. And that's the Charlie Brown holiday specials. You got the Great Pumpkin, you got Thanksgiving, and you got Christmas. All three of them, honestly, uh, they're all streaming on Apple TV+. Plus. You can, I believe, also purchase them on Amazon, though I don't don't hold me to that because that might be incorrect. You can, I'm pretty sure you can purchase them somewhere outside of Amazon, or uh, Apple, rather. But either way, it, they're worth a watch. If you can find the DVDs, all the better, because then you can watch them and you don't have to hunt them down on a streaming service. So yeah, that's your suggestion this week is Charlie Brown because who doesn't love the Charlie Brown holiday specials? Honestly. Rumor mill this week, we are breaking, breaking news. Like literally right before I came to film, we got uh, a piece that breaking rumor, I guess. And then we also have uh, some music rumors to talk about. Slipknot is specifically who we're talking about. Uh, Avengers, there's a big rumor, a couple of big rumors there, as well as the Nintendo Switch can just stays in the rumor mill. So let's get on to this. Okay, so starting things off with the rumor mill, we have new sources. Uh, the first, uh, the only new source we have is in the Avengers realm of the MCU. Uh, we have another source, a much more reliable source even, saying that Kang is going to be replaced by Doctor Doom. 
There has been a little bit of doubt shed on this, uh, but we'll get into that in just a minute when we get into the new rumors. So, uh, speaking of new rumors, let's go to the new rumors. Uh, first up, we have a big music rumor that has to do with Slipknot. If you remember, they uh, recently fired their longtime drummer, Jay Weinberg. Uh, some very interesting things have come to light as far as the firing of Jay Weinberg that I think is relevant to the firing uh, that kind of paints that in a little bit of a different light, uh, not the least of which, and it kind of factors into the rumor, which is why we didn't talk about this in the music news, but it was, uh, where was it? One of my music sources, I can't remember, uh, Metal Injection, I believe, uh, went back and and was, was chronicling the other bands, that the other big name bands that Jay has played for in recent years, uh, shortly before he played for Slipknot. Uh, right before he played for Slipknot was Against Me, he quit against me to play in Slipknot and apparently quit against me on a Facebook post. He did not talk to the band and honestly, uh, from what I understand, has not talked to the band since he quit. So pretty shady situation there. It's something that, you know, a kid would do. And Jay's roughly my age, so that's a little bit offensive. Uh, he's a little bit younger than me, but still. And then also, uh, Madball was the band he played for before he played for Against Me. He was fired by Madball uh, because he was a kid, because he was he felt like it sounded like, because they were far too professional to kind of rub his name in the mud at all with their firing, but they kind of seemed to imply that he expected to be treated with some sort of respect that he hadn't earned. And in a scene like the hardcore scene and in any sort of legitimate punk rock scene, like you don't just get respect, you earn respect. And it seemed like he hadn't quite learned that and uh, largely in the aggressive music scene as a whole, not just the kind of little branches of aggressive music like as a as a as a general statement if you are playing music in an aggressive style then you do not get respect automatically you earn your respect you are a professional you do the things that are expected of you to do and in return you get the respect of the other people in the scene so jay got fired <laughs> from Slipknot, uh, which again, we're, this, this is gonna come full circle, I promise. Uh, the rumor around this is Jeremy King, or Kling rather, uh, who recently was playing for Venom Inc. He's played for a number of other uh, acts in the metal world, but more, most recently, Venom Inc. He very, very recently quit Venom Inc. Venom Inc. Uh, made a statement, we wish nothing but the best for Jeremy, blah, 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 you know, parting ways amicably. Uh, but he also posted to his social media, I believe it was Instagram, but I could be wrong. Uh, very, uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure it was Instagram actually. Posted a picture that was the Slipknot Tribal S and it had something to do with, uh, it's all in the timing. And it was shortly after it was announced that Jay was fired. And then the post was pulled very, very quickly, like within a matter of hours, which has led to much speculation that Jeremy Kling is the new drummer, potentially, for Slipknot. Now, this very possibly is more likely than I'm going to give it credit for because of the fact that Jeremy Kling is a bit older, uh, by about a decade, than, than uh, Jay Weinberg, and has uh, well-established connections in the aggressive music scene. He 
he's been around for a while. He's a, he's he's done production. He's been a touring drummer. He's done you know a number of different things that have established him as a professional in the scene. So that definitely lends credence to it. The only thing I'm going to be critical of for this rumor is he doesn't seem to quite have the chops to sit on the throne for Slipknot. Because it, while he does play aggressive music, Slipknot is a different level of speed and technique than he has exhibited in other bands he's played for. It's not to say he doesn't have the ability to do it, it's just to say that he hasn't expressed the ability to do it. So that's why we're going fairly low with this, but still on the on the probable side of things. We're gonna go about 60% likely that Mr. Jeremy Kling is going to be the new man behind the kit for slip behind the main kit, I guess I should specify, because they have three drummers. The main drummer for Slipknot is very potentially going to be Jeremy Kling. Actually, we're gonna give it about 60%. Our next rumor, we're coming back to that Avengers stuff. Uh, so the big rumor here, the big new rumor here is that Kang Dynasty, the movie is no more, and Eternity Wars is going to be the name of the movie in its place. Uh, so while, you know, everything is still shifting in the MCU and we don't have a new concrete date for any of the new Avengers movies, that is supposed to be the second of the Avengers movies. Now, uh, like I said, when we talked about this a minute ago, there has been some things that have been brought up recently that kind of lend one to think that this is less likely. But uh, basically the way it boils down is... Feige is a man who makes a plan and tries his damnedest to stick to it. That right now he has dumped a lot of money into promotion for the current trajectory for the MCU. That includes uh, Kang the Conqueror as being one of, if not the big bad. They have been leaving little breadcrumbs throughout uh, the more recent stuff, specifically Loki season two. That is definitely opening a possibility that they could make this shift but there are equally as credible uh, rumor mongers that are saying that because he has spent so much money until we have a verdict in his uh, civil case or his uh, legal case i guess is more appropriate he's sticking with the plan as is so there is not a plan to change it there is a plan b just in case but that is not the preferred plan, according to some equally as reputable rumor mongers, like I said. So does a plan B exist? Probably. Is that the way we're going? No. We're going to say Eternity Wars or some other movie replacing the Kang Dynasty movie. Super unlikely. We're going 40% uh, on that. So on the unlikely side of things, that's, you know kind of going down that way. Uh, then continuing with Marvel, let's talk about Fantastic Four. And honestly, we got a, a breaking piece with the Fantastic Four. So I'm, I'm, I'm changing my notes kind of on the fly because I did this before the breaking news. So let's go here. Uh, the, the big, the piece that we were going to, oops, the piece that we were going to be reporting on was Jake Gyllenhaal is said to be in talks to play Reed Richards. Well, it seems that that's soured. Because the breaking piece here in the rumor mill is that Pedro Pascal is now the big guy for Reed Richards. And this has gotten to the point where it is in the trades. So still technically rumor, so it could not happen, but more likely than Jake Gyllenhaal because it seems Jake Gyllenhaal has likely passed on the idea. So uh, we were going to say 30% for Jake Gyllenhaal just because 
he's already in the MCU and like that's just seems like somebody making up stories. Pedro Pascal, on the other hand, not in the MCU. We can put this one a bit higher. We're going to go 80% because it's in the trades at this point. They're reporting on it. By the time it hits the trades, it's all but official. So there is still a little bit of rumor to, to negotiate, but it seems that that's what they're doing exactly, is negotiating. 80% likely Pedro is going to be playing Reed Richards. Very interesting choice there. I don't know if he'd be my first pick for Reed Richards, but he's a hell of an actor, so he can do whatever the hell he wants. We'll see what happens. From there, let's talk about He-Man. This is the live-action He-Man Masters of the Universe. Uh, the once Netflix de destined movie is now being shopped around to Amazon, actually. Uh, specifically been picked up by Amazon, according to the rumor. Uh, producers Adam and Aaron Nee, who were originally supposed to produce it for Netflix, are supposedly going to be following it to Amazon. Uh, the likelihood for this one, we're looking at about 85%. This just seems, again, this is in the trades. It seems all but done at this point. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's where we got there. Continuing on with things that are canceled and not canceled and so on and so forth, we have Coyote versus Acme, the John Cena uh, Looney Tunes related movie. It was supposed to be a Warner Brothers movie, it was supposed to come out on Max, it was supposed to be uh, straight to streaming release. And then it got filmed and finished and Max wrote it up, Warner Brothers specifically wrote it off. They used it as a tax write-off. And it got test screenings, apparently, and the test screening said it was really good, so that just doesn't make any sense. But for whatever reason, they're not putting it on Max. That's not the rumor. That is fact. The rumor here is that it's getting shopped around to anyone, basically, who has the money to pick it up. Those people being specifically Netflix, Amazon, and Apple. Since they're not putting it on Max, it only seems logical that you're going to try and make some money off it, make some actual money off it, because the sounds of it, the write-off that they got for it only made them about 30 million above what it costs to make the movie. And you could really make a lot more than that if you, had, you know, sell tickets or let people stream it. You're gonna make, uh, just, uh, just, I just don't understand Hollywood business. I really don't. Uh, so them shopping this around, again, in the trades, this honestly, because of the fan reaction, seems very, very, very likely, 95%. I would be very surprised if we do not end up seeing the Coyote versus Acme movie. Uh, then from there, we have a gaming rumor. This one comes uh, kind of directly from Neil Druckmann. Uh, Last of Us Part Three is now being rumored to be in production because of a tweet from Neil Druckmann basically congratulating I believe it was the composer that he used on the Last of Us games because he won some award and so he said congratulations we have more collaborations to do and now everybody's going oh it's part three of course it's part three it was always part three well they work on other projects together besides just the Last of Us so this really could mean anything and because that's all the evidence we had, we got to kind of split the difference. We're going 50-50 on this one. It could go either way. It's just as likely that it is Last of Us as it's one of their other projects. So yeah, that, we don't really got much to go on there. Uh, next up, we have another gaming rumor. This one is Fortnite. Fortnite X Rocket League, apparently, is about to happen. Uh, some data mine leaks and all that jazz. We've seen a racing mode kind of circling in the rumor mill, not to be too punny with it, for a little bit of time, for a couple weeks at this point. And now we have some more leakers saying that they've seen 
pictographic evidence that this is a thing, but uh, this the picture is a little bit old, so there is still a bit of wiggle room that this might not be coming soon, but I don't know, at this point, it seems like just one of the worst kept secrets in gaming, so we're gonna say 90% likely that there's going to be a col collaboration between Fortnite and Rocket League sometime in the next few months. We have no real time frame for this just yet. Continuing in the gaming side of things, we're gonna say, uh, we're gonna talk next about Up, uh, the video game based on the Disney movie from 14 years ago? Yeah, apparently that's in the rumor mill right now. Uh, it's a PSP game specifically, uh, just got a rating in the country of Taiwan that uh, puts it on the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, so weird um but it, it's that is leading to speculation rightfully so that we're going to be seeing it on the playstation 4 and playstation 5. i think what's slightly more likely though we haven't seen anything to kind of confirm this but what seems to me slightly more likely because of the time gap because it has been 14 years since this property has been relevant that this is very potentially going to be like part of a bundle that they're uh, upgrading to the current and last generation uh, PlayStation consoles. So are we going to see it? Sure, I guess technically I, that's, I still believe that's going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen in this style. So uh, for this specifically, are they releasing it by itself? I think that's about a 60% likely. If the rumor said that it's going to be part of a Disney gaming bundle that's coming out soon, that would seem a little bit more likely to me. But as a standalone game, we'll say 60%. Uh, staying in gaming, we now have kind of sort of two rumors dealing with the Nintendo Switch 2 or whatever they end up calling the successor to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, first up, and they're kind of contradictory rumors in a way. Uh, first rumor is that the system is going to launch, which that may sound obvious, but I don't think uh, it, it's not the if it didn't happen, it wouldn't be the only time that they, they've launched a console without games. But it's going to launch with the new 3D Mario game. So the, effectively the platformer, uh, the Mario, the Mario game for the console, because you effectively get one main Mario game per console. Right. So uh, console generation, I guess I should, I should specify. So we're getting one 3D Mario game and a new Mario Kart game with the launch of the Switch 2. Uh, so the other rumor here is has to do specifically with the Mario Kart game. And that rumor says that that game is actually going to be in 2025, which presumably is going to be approximately a year and a half or so uh, after the launch of the console. So it would not be a launch title, but it is still in the works. The rumor that uh, it's not going to be coming out until 25, that rumor monger says that they've seen the game in action and it looks amazing. And actually they reference the 3D Mario game as well, the platforming game as well, and say it looks like they're, they're throwing a ton of money at both of these games. If there's a working version now and we are just under a year, theoretically, just under a year from launch of the console, why would it not make sense that they're coming out together? Like that just, I don't understand people sometimes. So the likelihood that the 3D platformer and the cart game are both going to be launch titles, I'm gonna put that at about 70% because yeah, that's. I feel like Nintendo learned their lesson with those few generations where that wasn't the case. And also, 
uh, 30% likely that the cart game is going to be coming out sometime after launch, but is still in the works. That just doesn't, that the math does not compute there. All right, so uh, next up, staying, oh no, this is actually movie news. We're going back to Marvel, kind of, more Disney, or uh, Sony rather. Uh, Spider-Man 4 is said to be uh, in the works and featuring Daredevil and Kingpin as part of the storyline. This one is super, super unlikely because that comes from one less than reliable source and then multiple very reliable sources have said, that used to be the case, but is no longer the script that they are working with for Spider-Man 4. So we're gonna say approximately 20% likely that Spider-Man 4 still contains Daredevil and Kingpin. Uh, and then back to gaming, we're talking Grand Theft Auto 6. Like I said, we do have a rumor here, as well as the announcement that the trailer's coming soon. Uh, the rumor is that the game engine is going to age your character. So the longer you play, the older your character will get. Seems like a very interesting gameplay mechanic. Does not seem like something that they would want to implement just yet. I don't know, just just seems seems really clunky. The, the theoretical end game to that is not clear uh, to me. So I, we're, I would give this 50-50 because it comes from a pretty good source and gaming rumors are generally pretty on the spot. But I just, I feel like that little bit of doubt is dropping us just a little bit. We're going to say 45% likely that we're going to see aging uh, characters in Grand Theft Auto 6. And then our final rumor is Blade. We have the end of the Blade series, or the Blade movie rather, on uh, when it finally sees the light of day, is said to be setting up a Midnight Suns project. Uh, series, it's series, right? Not a movie. I can't remember. Either way, it's Midnight Suns. It's setting up Midnight Suns. Uh, that's the rumor here. This seems likely. Uh, we're going to say 65% likely. The reason that it seems likely we'll be seeing Midnight Suns follow Blade is Blade is part of that group. Also, we have, I think, two or three other female exclusive uh, superhero groups that are coming out rather soon. Are, are Female-centric, uh, I guess, because the, the Young Avengers uh, is not is not exclusively female. It's just probably going to be exclusively female in the MCU. So in order to course correct the way that Bob Iger seems to be implying and the way that Feige seems to kind of steering, uh, we're gonna say that seems likely that they would have a, a slightly more male, because I don't think they're going to go 100% male, but I think they're gonna be slightly more male-centric with at least one of their upcoming projects, and that's very likely to be the Midnight Suns because it's a really cool property, and Feige likes to make things that are slightly obscu obscure into some pretty cool IP, at least he used to, and that is our rumor mill for the week, nerds. Uh, for the for the time being until we come back proper and it's also the last episode so thank you very much nerds once again for joining me on these episodes i do appreciate it uh don't forget to like subscribe to other things uh subscribe uh, so that you know when we come back it you know youtube will be like hey by the way that nerd news show all that pop culture stuff that you like to, to talk about and watch those videos that guy's back and he's making good content again so be sure you are subscribed for sure. 
you just click the button. It is what it is. Uh, all that being said, I think, I think we're just going to sign off. I appreciate your faces, nerds. I will see you in a couple of weeks. We will be doing live episodes, so I'm not leaving you during the off season. We will still be here and talking about the news and talking about all the fun things. So thank you very much for joining me. We'll see you in the next one. Before we go, always, always remember that if it's generally nerdy, it's probably here.